This is where Atlanta soul, at this particular point in time, hip hop rolls. Meets the Nashville sound. And hits everywhere in between. Ellen Fitz talking music. L. Talkin. And Fitz. We are back with the most creatively named podcast in all of the land. L. And Fitz talking music. So it's Ellen Fitz talking music, but today it's just kind of Fitz talking music. This is going to happen a little bit as we are incredibly stoked. Uh, Kyrie and I are incredibly, incredibly happy for L. Duncan. Uh, who is on the verge of adding a, a mini Duncan, uh, to the, to the, to the, to the world. And she is, uh, she's beautiful and spectacular and going to be the best mom in the world. Omar's going to be a fantastic dad. Uh, and sometimes throughout this process, it means that we're going to fly solo because we don't want to not give you great content, uh, even when life happens for each of us. So I'm flying solo today, which is dangerous on the heels of CMA Fest. Now, um, we're going to get into Rascal Flats coming up in just a few minutes. And for any of you guys that don't know, obviously, during my time as the fiddle player and band leader for the band Perry, I spent a, a solid year of my life on tour with Brad Paisley, solid year out with Blake Shelton, and probably a year and a half, almost two years with the Rascal Flats guys. So uh not too long ago, they were playing in Hartford. I got him to come over and hang out with Golik and Wingo on the morning show. And then I made him sit down with us. I'm, I'm proud of the interview you'll hear in just a couple minutes. Uh, because it's a deep dive and you're going to hear stuff from Flats that if you've heard all of their interviews, if you've listened to everything that Rascal Flats has ever done anywhere on an interview, you've never heard some of what we're going to get into. And I mean that sincerely. Uh, I think it's a spectacular interview and it's going to be great. You will love it. Also, Jess Lee, who was on season 14 of The Voice is going to join us. So there's a real country flavor to the, to this episode. But before we get there, CMA Fest. Now, CMA Fest is a takeover of downtown Nashville, and it runs from basically Fifth Avenue to Lower Broadway, so five, six blocks where they shut off the streets and country music fans from all over the world. And I literally mean the world, Australia, Germany, Europe, a lot of Europe, a lot of Australia, uh, even Japan, China, they all come in and everybody from the U.S. and they come in and they take over Nashville for the period of a week. And in every bar, there's a fan club party. So you'll walk up and down the street and you'll see Fan club party for Tim McGraw and then a fan club party for Taylor Swift and a fan club party for uh, Rascal Flats. All of this, all building after building after building up and down Lower Broad where country music fans are, are getting drunk and just celebrating the awesomeness that is being a country music fan. There's a sense of community. There's also free shows all over downtown. So there's four or five stages set up that have acts you haven't heard of yet, acts that have just put out a single. Also, on the riverfront, you'll see acts that either were really popular a while ago or acts that are right on the cusp of greatness. And that's all free. So everybody just walks around and soaks in free music. Plus, in every bar, when there's not fan club parties going on, there are cover bands playing awesome country music. So it's a real celebration. But then, at the end of every night, Nissan Stadium, where the Titans play, Nissan Stadium is taken over. And I'm not kidding. It'll be Florida Georgia Line, Zach Brown Band, Brad Paisley, Carrie Underwood, and Keith Urban in one night in the arena. And it's that times four. They do it on Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday nights. It is epic. Think about that in any other genre. All of these acts that play, play for free. That's what's amazing. They're doing it just to reconnect with their fans, and all the money that's raised goes towards the Country Music Association Charitable Ventures. So every one of these acts is playing for free. So this is the equivalent of getting... Justin Timberlake, Bruno Mars, Cardi B, 
uh, Imagine Dragons, all of them to come in for nothing other than we want to relate to fans and do something great, playing free shows night after night after night. It's what makes country music special. It's one of the things I'm proudest of from my involvement in country music. And it's a really cool piece of what makes the connection between the artists and the fans. And in fact, to tie it all into sports, because that's what we like to do here, the NFL draft and Nashville should be sending flowers to CMA Fest. Because realistically, anything you saw during the Preds run that looks special from downtown Nashville, anything you've seen from Nashville where you say, man, look at their ability to handle a party, handle a crowd, has been learned by handling CMA Fest for generations. This isn't something that's been going on for two or three years. This is something that Nashville's been doing for 20 years. So they they have so much experience in how to handle downtown because of CMA Fest. The NFL Draft is going to Nashville because of CMA Fest. And what's crazy is they're willing to do it. I mean, you think about the, the NFL Draft and its timing. Happens to take place during the middle of what will probably be a playoff run for hockey, for the Predators, and also... Uh, the, the, uh, Music City Marathon. One of the biggest marathons in the country. They're all, they're gonna do that all at once. And it's no big deal because they're used to over a hundred thousand fans pouring in to downtown to party together and celebrate country music. It's again, it's a cool thing that, that Nashville does, that country does, that no other genre does. Alright, this isn't iHeart where you've got all these people trying to come together, but it's really about radio play. This isn't that at all. This is free shows all over, and then the stadium ticket, which you do have to buy a ticket to, but the stadium ticket, which is every major act coming together at once. It's one of the reasons I'm proud of my association with country music, and one of the things I'm proud about with this podcast is that we can talk about hip-hop one week, and we can do just as good a job the next week talking to you about country music. It's what makes this particular show different from music fans everywhere. So with that being said, without any further hesitation, I want to take you into the minds of Rascal Flats. It was a cool opportunity for me to get to sit down with the guys and not just talk about the normal stuff, favorite songs, favorite sports. We get into some of that, some of their favorite sports moments, memories. Yeah, we get into some of that, how they watch a game on the road. We get into some of that, but you're also going to find out a lot about what makes those three guys, what makes them tick, what makes them connect and why, frankly, I saw their show in Hartford, why I think not only they're putting on better shows now, but they are having more fun today than I've ever seen them have in their entire careers. Check this out. All right, so I'm hanging out. Uh, this is like a flashback for me as I get to sit around, surrounded by a ton of Rascal Flats. And that's, uh, What's that's up, brother? Uh, Gary LaVox, Joe Don Rooney, and obviously Jay DeMarcus all hanging out. Uh, and hey, you guys were on Golik and Wingo this morning. And, and they, you know, they talked about the touring stuff. That's all fine. Uh, let, let's get to the real stuff. Okay, okay let's go. I remember years ago being on tour and we were over in Europe and we were sitting on a bus mm-hmm. and we were trying to watch the Iron Bowl, the kick six game, actually. Mm-hmm. And as the kick six happened, we lost all service, did not see it and actually had to watch it the next day. You guys are college football fans. Right. So on Saturdays, does the bus get positioned anywhere different to make sure that you have satellite service? Yeah, we oh, actually yeah. call it circling the wagon. So me and uh, Jay and Joe on all of our buses kind of make this big horseshoe. Kind of like Ohio State. Anyway, wow. so we kind of make the thing. So Joe Don's got all his stuff pulled out. He's got a TV on the inside of his bus that pulls out. He's got all the Oklahoma stuff. we got all the Buckeye stuff. We cook out. We tailgate. That's what we do every Saturday in the fall. And I have to tell you this, too. This sounds so – this goes against the grain of of most people out there, I'm sure. But I hate the summer. 
Like without football, it's miserable. So I get to about April and I go, if I can just make it to like the end of August, I'm going to be, I'm going to be good. I, I think that's true though. It's amazing yeah. how you sort of hit that, the doldrums of, of oh, summer. Yeah. It's, it's now you mentioned the, the horseshoe. How much do your drivers hate you? Because the number of times on a Sunday for me watching the Raiders game, I've stood right by the driver and like, got it, got it, don't got it. Because all we're worried about is where can you park that you have the satellite signal coming on the yeah. bus? You can lose your job as a bus driver if you don't find it That's on fair. direct TV. Sometimes Just the fact. As a matter of fact, I'm looking for a new driver currently. <laughs> yeah. Because uh, I woke up this morning and there was no satellite See? signal. So. See? He's not a yeah. Buckeyes fan, so he yeah. let him go. That's a prerequisite. And find the signal. I also find it interesting, hanging out with Rascal Flats. I find it interesting, two of you are Ohio State fans, Jodon, you're an Oklahoma fan. Mm-hmm. When they play, is it contentious or do you guys not talk about well, it? Well, the past two seasons, yeah, it was crazy. But, you know, I mean, the past two seasons have been... Hurtful. Door, so for hurtful. Me, that's what it's been. Was hurtful for you because we got yeah, you back. That's what we it's came well, to Oklahoma. Yes, yeah, so we won season. two years ago Please. and they came and beat us. Uh, you know, and Baker was very disrespectful at the shoe. He just planted his flag. Very like disrespectful I at the shoe. I, I was at that, that shows that you game. what kind of character that the Sooners have. Well, when you guys come back right to there. Norman, though, what's going to happen? Well, mm-hmm. and let, let's stay there for a second because now you're, you're talking smack about Baker. But you also have a lot of Ohio ties, and he's now going to be the starting quarterback Browns. for the Browns. So are yeah. you ready to uh, eat crow I'm a Bengals fan. Oh, you know, I don't yeah, I'm a Browns, Browns fan. You know, I don't know. I, I, think, I think that, you know, the world is his oyster. He needs to keep it together. Yeah. It, you know, because he could, he, he could go down the path of Johnny Manziel. Yeah, just like, keep him out of Arkansas. In the heartbeat. You keep, know what I mean? He but needs to just keep it on football. Keep his mind on football. Doing your job and don't get caught up in the world. Hey, I hope Cleveland gets two wins this year. I'm oh, pulling for them. Oh, look I really at you. do. I've wanted that since 1981. You, you know, it's positive though. The the funny thing is though, you mentioned you just got to keep your head on straight. Yeah, that's yeah. one of the the similarities realistically mm-hmm. between sports and music, right? Yeah, for sure. How hard is it when you get that first number one? You work your whole life to get a record deal. You work your whole life to get whatever you think making it's going to be your fame. Yeah, and then you get that first number one. And you've got to actually go in and figure out how to re- recalibrate yourself, not get lost, and continue to work. Yeah. Well, we're all friends with professional athletes that talk about this all the time, particularly, uh, you know, football players. We've got a lot of football players that are buddies of ours. And the similarities between the two worlds, there are more similarities than there are than they are dissimilar. And it's so hard to keep focused. And, and the, the hard part is not having the hit. The hard part is keeping it together long enough to have another hit. I mean, uh, getting the record deal is the easiest part, and then the hardest part is continued success. And I think it's the same with ball players. You know, getting to the big show, playing in the NFL is great, but you have to maintain it once you get there, and it's it's hard to do. Yeah. It is, especially when you too come many from, distractions. Yeah, especially when you come from no money, and then you have money that you can do whatever you want to with. I mean, it's there, there's no schooling on that. You know what I mean? So it, it's really hard when when money comes involved in it you know and and then fame on top of that and you know it's really hard you have to have a solid foundation of course that's uh really that's gary lavox talking and he makes lead singer money <laughs> well i make the, bass that, player money the, so, there is a staggering the difference right look, his, look in his garage and look at mine <laughs> oh yeah yeah you want you, you want to cry just hear about fiddle player money like fiddle player money, <laughs> fiddle player money. <laughs> ain't, no, ain't nobody retiring on fiddle player money that's all i'm saying Hanging out with Rascal Flatts. Mark O'Connor, maybe. Fiddle player money. <laughs> the fiddle oh, player yeah. 401k plan. <laughs> so one of the things that surprised me the most when the band started to do well is, you know, there, there were two things that I think I wasn't ready for in my mind when I was touring. One, 
was the the pressure you do feel going from record one to two to three and mm-hmm. trying to figure out how to mm-hmm. how to work and, and grow on that. I, that surprised me too. The number of people that continue to come in at that point and tell you, "Hey, this is what you need to do next." There's sort of a. I always had this mindset: you make it, then you get to make whatever records you want. Mm-hmm. Not really true for you guys doing it as long as you've done it. How do you manage the process of making a record every time? You know, for us, it's it. It's kind of a blessing and a curse. So we you, to, to try to stay relevant, you know, you kind of you don't chase radio, but you take songs and you, you kind of make them current on what it is. But it, just what you were saying, it's so funny because how many albums have we made? Ten? Ten. Ten, ten, ten studio albums. albums. And it's so funny. Hits and a, and a Christmas record. Every single album, oh. our management has said, this is the most important album of your life. <laughs> it, every one. Every single one. Like when is it not? When do we get to go in and just do what we want to do? And we take it seriously, but I mean, literally, it's such a doggy dog world, and show business is such a tough business to stay relevant in. That it, it actually is. Every album, every single that you pick, every song that you write has to be at the the top of the food chain, mm-hmm. man. It just does. So you have to stay on a different level. So let me ask you two, as, as we talk to, to Rascal Flats, and I'm basically going to, we're going to pretend Gary's not in the room, right? Which is always difficult to do with the, who? With the lead singer. Uh, Who's but Joe Don and Jay, you guys are actually both incredible musicians. And one thing that I know you mentioned this morning on Golic Wingle, people forget you guys got your start as side guys playing for mm-hmm. Shelly Wright. And, you know, there's sort of this accomplishment that comes for you. How do you guys balance sort of the accomplishment of the band, but also wanting some sort of recognition? This sort of reminds me of the Cavs or any any team where you've got a superstar player, like everybody identifies a voice, yeah. but you guys are both incredibly talented at what you do. How do you sort of balance the want for self, uh, you know, the want for some appreciation for that with the success that you have? I think you said it when you asked the question, the first sentence was, uh, we're just side guys. Well, well we kept, <laughs> kept that mentality. <laughs> so Gary hired us to be... Um, no, I think, you know, the beautiful thing about flats and I'm kind of speaking just for myself here, how I feel, but we each have a part to play. And like you said, it's a team effort and you know who to pass the ball to. And, and sometimes that person knows who, who to pass the ball to as well. And, and, um, it's a balance, man. It is. And we all have our, our roles to play and, and we're all happy with each, each space we feel because, um, we know the, the whole is greater than all the, all the parts. And Do you have to focus though on making sure everybody feels appreciated in the process? I mean, Compromise of a band? Oh, I mean, you guys really gonna go like all, all tip, tip, tolling? No, we do, tulipus. we do the best we can, you know. I mean, like, it's all, everybody's tulip. fantastic. I thought Gary was in the tulips, it's We wonderful. are perfect. We <laughs> have on. a book coming out. No, we do the, we do the best we can, you know, and for me, I'm, these guys would both tell you if I weren't in the room that I'm a control freak and I love to get my hands on it and have it my way. So producing other acts is an outlet for me to where I can get in there and try to do, you know, what I would do left to my own devices. It doesn't mean that what we do isn't great together, but there are three of us, three very valid opinions that we have to pay attention to. So we do the best we can balancing each other's wants, needs, and desires out. And then Gary tells us what we're going to do. Well, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, Gary, you can now come back into the room. Uh, <laughs> okay. You're welcome. Uh, so we'll get back to the fun sports stuff. Uh, if your favorite team is playing no, during... No, you're trying a- to break the band up. No, I no. I see exactly what I'm you're trying doing, to, I, Like, oh. Here's the thing. Everybody asks like all the cheesy stuff. I want to get the real depth No, that's a very good question. And it's tough. You know, we all have... We're, we're all grown men. We're all fathers. We're all musicians. We all three have amazing respect for each other, not only as business partners, but as musicians. And when you have songs that come in that one of us writes or 
the song that's been pitched. You know that we're, we're three different people and we have three different opinions a lot of the time. But then again, you have that song that comes in with a, a melody and a lyric that you that we're all on the same page about. We just kind of go poof. That's kind of the amazing thing is we've been on the same page more often than not. Right. And that's what's kept us together. I think the toughest, like, obviously for me being in bands that never made it, when I look back at that process, the toughest part for me is that it's constant compromise. That looking back, that was the toughest part. You always look back, especially for me. When those bands weren't successful, you look back and say, well, you know, if that idiot had taken my idea. Yeah. But I think that there's a... I, Rich, you made it in our book, buddy. Uh, well, yeah, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. But but I think when I watch the documentary on Metallica and you watch like oh, Metallica yeah. going through group yeah. therapy, sure. it's a reminder We that, had the same therapist on the road with us really? for two years, really? Dr. Phil. Yeah. The same exact one in, that, in the documentary of Metallica. I, I mean, but I think that's an important thing. As much as I look at it and say, man, I don't want to think of my... Met my metal bands in that light. Yep, There's yep. also a moment where it's a reminder that a band, as cheesy as it sounds, a band is like a marriage, and it's you exactly constantly have to right. work Absolutely. on it. And you ride three bu- three different buses, and for us, it was just learning how to communicate with each other again because you can get so separated that you forget why you started doing it in the first place. Yep. And if you don't keep that core, um, you know, inspired and and talk to each other, and it's easy to lose. It's easy to let it slip away. It's just exactly like a marriage. And when you stop talking to your wife and you stop communicating and you just sort of exist together. So it was a very good exercise for us and helped us remember why we loved it in the first place and, and why we love each other and what we love and respect about but each other. But there are times you get a song in and you go, how can you not like that song, you dumbass? Yeah. Yeah. Especially when yeah. Jay shut up. Get That's the truth, dumb. finally. Yeah. That's right. The right. truth shall set you free. I think our best communication is having to think about the communication part is when we sing on stage together. We perform. And we have nights where it's just like, it's like an out of body experience. Yeah, it really just is. Kind of like yep. autopilot sets in, the fans are just going ballistic and it's out of body because I'm not there half the time. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a holographics book. <laughs> yeah. That is remarkable. Okay. So before we let you go, talking to Rascal Flats, um, games going on, your favorite team. What's the, what's the method? Do you get updates in your ears? Do you, do you like, do you hide a screen on stage? I, I, I'll throw other acts. I've asked this question on my podcast days. Imagine Dragons admitted like their keyboard player at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He put a little iPad on stage, watched the Chargers game. Charlie Daniels has somebody giving him scores. So I've, I've, other people have thrown themselves under the bus. Our man Tristan's right over there. He has a whiteboard that he takes a marker and updates us with the score. Like he'll go. It's low tech, but it's yeah. really smart. It's I like awesome. But he can uh, from only, the side of the stage, he but does. he can only do it on Jay's side because I won't look. So if if the game's coming on, if we, if the Buckeyes are in a late game, I can't stand it though. I gotta know. Game. Yeah, I I saw it. I record it, and that somebody will get fired if you tell me the score. Because if we're losing, I don't care if it's the first quarter and we're down by th- by uh, three points. I'll I'll lose my jump. But there have been fans lose with my whiteboards jump. out there. Oh yeah. Yeah, and, and I've came off and no. punched him right in the mouth. I drew, yeah, <laughs> we're, we're in the middle of four lawsuits right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I will say though, the only danger with that, like you, you know, I'm, I'm a lover. I'm, I'm a pretty right. nice guy. I don't really hold a grudge. There's one merch guy I toured with that accidentally deleted the game before I got off stage oh, to watch a Raiders it. game. Haven't talked to him since. Good. A, you yeah. Know. Good. All right. So Have you guys, you still yet? hear about uh, that back in Nashville? By the way, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair. Flash, that's fair. Sure, he ever folded. Uh, you guys are back on tour. Uh, that starts. Uh, it starts actually tonight yep. in Hartford, mm-hmm. uh, kicking it off. Uh, I appreciate your time, guys. Yeah. Uh, of all the people I ever toured with, consistently, you guys always brought it. It was always amazing, and the show felt fresh. No matter how many times I watched it and saw it, no matter how Thank many times brother. I would bring my friends Thanks. out, Thank you guys you, always make a show feel great. 
it's a tour that doesn't just regurgitate the same thing every year. Thank you. Uh, I'm proud of the time I spent on the road with you guys, and I'm really happy for your continued success. Thanks, Thanks for bro. hanging out. Appreciate Thanks. that, man. We, we love being out you there too, with buddy. you. Yep. Rascal Flats, baby. What's up, y'all? It's the heavy hitter, Hot 937 Zone, DJ Craig G, Top Floor, and you're listening to Alan Fitz talking about music on ESPN. Keep it locked. It's Ellen Fitz talking music again. Jason Fitz flying solo. That was Rascal Flats. I can't say enough to the guys being open about everything from communication to quite literally group therapy. I mean, that's, that's really crazy. And I took Mike Golick Jr. with me here and a couple of our friends. We went to the concert Friday night, uh, that night in Hartford and I watched them and you can see the difference. You can see them having fun I haven't seen in years. You can see them enjoying the process in a way that I haven't seen in years. And a reminder, Rascal Flatts' last two singles went to number one. So any conversation that Flatts is a band on the decline and they have to turn around and just enjoy what they had, no. 17 number ones for that band, including their last two singles. They are as strong as ever, and it's because of the connection they have refound and rekindled that they talked about there. If you like the interview, tweet them too, at Rascal Flats. Make sure you let the guys know you appreciated them coming on and, uh, and check out the tour. It's well worth it. Now, one thing that's important Wait, to I'm, us. I'm sorry. I got to ask you flat fits. Come yeah. On. Yeah. How could you be out there? Why didn't you grab the fiddle, jump on stage and represent for Ellen Fitz talking music in Hartford, Connecticut? Okay. So here's a true story. Joe Don, they, they used to always have a fiddle player and they got rid of their fiddle player a few years ago. I didn't know. And so I showed up and Joe Don was like, Hey man, did you bring a fiddle? And I was like, nah, but if you want me to play, I'll play the one on stage. And he's like, we don't have one anymore. Like they don't, they don't carry a fiddle player. So I was like, you gotta be kidding me. So he did say later on in the, he's like, if you ever want to come out to another show, we want you to sit in and play. So we're going to find a way. We got to get that. Yeah. yeah. And and I've learned my lesson. I'm just going to carry a fiddle with me everywhere I go from now on. I love the number of times people say, did you carry a fiddle with you? Like, you know, yeah, I've got that shoved up my tush. I just kind of pull it out and bam, fiddle playing. I I don't know what people are thinking. Uh, but it's a fair question, Kyrie. I, I, I didn't do us proud. Uh, but I will, I will do us proud soon. Also, here's the long, long tease. You ready for this long tease? We might have something coming up that's really cool involving the NFL and my fiddle at the beginning of football season. But you got, you got to wait for that. We're going to make them wait. We're going to make them wait. Uh, so one of the things on this podcast we're proud of is we also give, uh, a lot of time to, to acts that are new or people that you may not have heard from in a little while. So we're going to go from Rascal Flats, the biggest of the big in country music, uh, to the newest of the new. Jess Lee, who was on uh, The Voice season 14, had the opportunity to catch up with her and talk a little bit about sort of the process and what it's like to be the new kid trying to find your feet from reality TV into the country music scene. All right, so because you know, I've basically taken the whole podcast over at this point. It's all country music. You've uh, you've already heard from Rascal Flats today, and uh, we're going to take it a step farther, go into the voice, and we're we're joined by Jess Lee. Uh, you can follow her on Twitter at Jess Lee Country. First and foremost, before we get into any of this, Jess, congratulations on your run on the Voice. Uh, it's a really cool experience to get to do that, and it was cool to get to watch you do that. Oh my gosh, thank you so much. Yeah, it was, it was a really cool experience. I appreciate it. So I will tell you, uh, you know, when I was on tour, we opened for Blake for a little while and, uh, I, there were, you know, I was playing a little basketball with Blake and I got a little rough and I may have accidentally elbowed him in the head and he did not take it well. <laughs> I thought, I thought Blake was going to, I thought he was going to rip my head off and, and frankly, he can. I'm tiny and he's huge. Uh, did you ever oh see, did you ever see frustrated Blake Shelton while you were on Team Blake? Actually, no. Um, you know, he, he was really pretty chill. It was funny because um, he really was 
especially when I was even being mentored by Trace, it was Trace who was like, um, he, he was so sassy. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I didn't expect him to be so sassy. And he, he's very, it's funny because he has, he doesn't say much. Um, and when he does, he, he puts out some pretty powerful statements. Um, and you, you know, when he speaks, he speaks what he means. Um, but it was funny because he was just, Blake was just messing with Trace Atkins so much. And, um, I had to get on it a little bit. I started messing with him too, just because, <laughs> just because I'm Italian and I like to jump in on that type of stuff. So um, it was fun, and it was funny because because Trace was just super, getting super like sassy about it. And uh, but yeah, for the most part, Blake was was really chill. Um, only really saw like a, a nice side to him. Um, and you are so right; he is a, he is a massive human. Um, like well, Trace I'm isn't tiny exactly too. tiny. I mean, you're talking about big boys all around you. Seriously, they both were massive. I walked into the room, and my my uh, even my battle partner Kyla is is ridiculously tall compared to me. I'm only five two, so I had heels on in, in the filming, um, and it definitely made me look like I was a little bit taller. But like even in real in person in real life, I mean, I was literally skyscraped in that room. And, um, <laughs> but I she she might be small, and but she's feisty and mighty. So that's literally me. I'm I'm a, I'm a lot in a little package, <laughs> <laughs> which is amazing. Now you know how how I feel every time I stand next to everybody at ESPN, being a tiny guy. So walk me through your <laughs> your process a little bit because I think everybody gets to the voice a different way. And one of the things really interesting to me, even in talking to Cassidy Pope was sort of how Cassidy got to the voice. What was your process when you looked at it and said, I'm going to do this? What was the hope? What What was your sort of journey that got you there? Well, that's very funny that you started it off with, with I'm going to do this as the quote that I might say, because that was absolutely not the case at all. <laughs> so I actually had, I had um, like about three years previous, um, almost at the time it was, it was, yeah, it was about three years. I, um, I had tried out for the show and, uh, I didn't get very good feedback at all, um, and I vouched. I was just like, I will never, ever do one of these TV shows ever again. Like, I'm, I believe in myself enough that you know my talent supports me enough. I, I think I can do this on my own. So I put out an album, um, and then I put out another single, and then I put out another single after that that had a, a music video. Um, and the music video attracted a lot of attention, and it was passed around. And um, actually. I, I had just filmed up my second music video. Um, it's the Vivo video that I have actually releasing the 21st of June called My Favorite Song. Um, and it's a it's one of the tracks off of my new album releasing called Strong um, here June 15th. And it um, it was funny because I literally had just film, wrapped up the filming for the, for the video. And um, I walk inside my house, and my phone's ringing, and it's California, and I answer it, and they're like, "Hey, hey, just leave. This is this is the voice." And I'm just like, "Okay." <laughs> like, I was like, "That's that's weird." <laughs> so, um, and it was funny because I, I hadn't tried out, I hadn't put any applications in, nothing. Um, and they're just like, "Yeah, we um we found your video," and I, apparently, I guess they had found Burn, and then it kind of led them to some of the other content that I had you know, online, um, had like a professional video of my church done and some other little things just, you know, cover things as well as, um, my songs. And, um, yeah, they were just like, we, we would love to, we'd love to get you out of here. So it was actually, I skipped a super large part of the process and they actually kind of sought me out. So, um, it was cool because I honestly had zero plans to ever do the show again. Um, I had zero plans to ever try out for anything like that again. 
And um, the only reason I even entertained it was because I was literally skipping pretty much like everything. So um, it's most people don't realize how long the process actually is to get to that point where you're actually on TV. So we're talking to Jess Lee, contestant on the season 14 of The Voice. And I think it's interesting, Jess, that you mentioned that because uh, all the way back to season one of The Voice, because I'm old. Uh, it's amazing how many people go through the audition process, but it is also amazing. It's sort of a dirty little secret a lot of people don't realize about American Idol and The Voice, both of them, that, uh, you know, the right entertainment attorney, the right the right connection, and suddenly they're seeking you out, which is a much different process to get on the show. So uh, it, it, it's amazing how, you know, alarmed people are when they sit there and find out that, it's not by accident that they get super talented people. As much as we want to leave it all up to open auditions, the fact is they have to have some some say in making sure they get the right crew of people there. So it, it, kudos to you to being discovered the second way around. Now, as you get through the voice process, what do you like? Wh- how do you sort of compartmentalize what you went through, where you were, but also where you want to get to now? You know, it's it's funny. I kind of went into it with a with a very similar mindset, having left left trying out, you know, previously, um, was that this, whether I won the whole show or not, um, it's never going to be the end all be all, you know, like uh, just cause I win the voice doesn't mean like my whole music career has been completed. So like my, my, you know, my whole mindset going into it was regardless of the outcome, like in reality, the final result is always still the same. It's you're still gonna have to work, you know? And, um, the voice is one of those, one of those shows, um, again, actually, like all, pretty much like all the TV shows, except for the minor, um, you know, rarity like Carrie Underwood or Kelly Clarkson. But um, in reality, um, th- no real megastars have been produced from that show. So I think a lot of people go into these shows like thinking that in the end, you know, like that's going to be your moment of fame, and at that point, like you, you've got it, you're ready, you know, you're going to be a star. And like in reality, that's not the case. Like one of the things that I had for me that really prepared me for so many aspects on that show was the fact that I had put um, two and a half years in previously performing and writing music. And it was really cool to go on to it as like an artist already, because a lot of those people are people that they've met, they like the blind audition was their first performance, like ever, like their first live performance. And I wouldn't want that to be my first live performance and personal, personally. Um, so I kind of went into it. Honestly, I was more excited that my name was properly going to be properly spelled finally for people to, <laughs> to know. <laughs> most, most people think like forever I've been battling this this um, beautiful Asian artist who her name is Jess Lee, two words. And uh, my name is actually, it's it's pronounced like Leslie, like like Leslie's. It's Jess Lee. It's all one word. So, so I've been screwing um, it up this whole time. That's spectacular. Good on me. When you call me Jess, I figured. That's, <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> that's fair. Which I'm cool with, which I'm so cool with because, you know, it's, it's funny because most of the time when people call me Jess, it's not because they're nicknaming me, which I'm fine with. Um, it's more so because they actually think my name is two words, but it, it's all one word. I'm just so – it's like Ray Lynn. You know how Ray Lynn spells mm-hmm. her name like with a yep. capital R and L? Yep, same exact thing. So it's uh, – yeah, it's a, it's a unique name. <laughs> but I was seriously so excited. Like the first thing I thought about it was, was when I was going and I knew I was going to be aired and – I was like, I called my mom, and I'm like, Mom, the world is finally going to know how to spell my name correctly, and she just starts <laughs> laughing. <So. laughs> one of the uh, one of the girls uh, that toured uh, with us on the band, Perry, that worked with the organization, uh, just sort of behind the scenes. Her her first name was Ann Carter, and it was two. It's two Han and hyphen Carter, 
was her first name, and people would always call her Ann, and she she's just polite Southern Belle. She'd be like, nope, it is Ann Carter. That is my first name, Ann yep. Carter. And so uh, I, I sympathize with that, Jess Lee. Uh, we, you know, it, that that's an interesting and difficult uh, portion of this as the world starts to get to know you. I think it's interesting, too, you mentioned about how, you know, it's just the beginning of the process because we had the fortune in our our experience at one point, Scotty McCreary, after he won American Idol, he was out with us for about a year opening. And then uh, we toured with Cassidy uh, on Flats. Uh, so Cassidy mm-hmm. opened for us uh, for, for about a year. And so I've seen mm-hmm. winners of both of those shows come out. And it is amazing how people presume that because you win or because you do well on the show, suddenly you're rich or famous and everything else is done. And, and really, it's the opposite. It's just the beginning of the legwork. So how do you sort of maximize the fan base you've gotten now as a result of the show as you move forward? Absolutely. Well, I think it's, I think first and foremost, it's about um, appreciating what you already have. And that's always, you know what I mean? The thing is, is that a lot of those people, I think one of the biggest reasons why um, so many of them get the titles that they have, but they don't take it to the levels they could take it to is because I don't know if, if a lot of those people have experienced what it's like to have already worked hard um and that so that was one of the things for me like i kind of went into it knowing i had to work hard prepared that regardless of whatever happened i was still going to have to work hard um and appreciating you know every little bit that i've i've earned for myself um you know like i really i think that's the biggest thing that's one of the reasons why like i don't have i don't have millions and millions of fans but the um thousands and thousands of fans that i do have um I think the reason why they're so active and they're so loyal and um, one of the reasons I was even able to chart um, after being montaged because um, I, I literally got like like five seconds on with my when my blind audition aired. Um, they, they barely showed me and I actually had set a record being the first artist to montage and chart. Um, and amazing. that happened that happened because of the fan base that I had before the show even, you know, I was even existing on the show. Um, So I think, you know, it's just about appreciating where you are and just knowing why you started in the first place. For me, I do this because I love it. I do this because I can't see myself doing anything else. I just, I tried it. I went and I was the person who went into the workforce and tried, you know, had had a good uh, paying, um, you know, eight to five job. And um, I just really wasn't happy. And I think, you know, it's just about having that balance where you're happy with what you're doing, you appreciate what you have, and you're still, regardless that you're still satisfied, um, you always still kind of have like that little bit of hunger in you to keep you going and, and to keep achieving more goals because, um, you know, we're, we're ever-evolving creatures. So I think um, I think it's healthy to always be able to have that balance where you can appreciate where you are but always still want more, you know? Absolutely. We're talking to Jess Lee from the The Voice season 14. We're only days removed from the fanny pack fair that is CMA Fest in all of its glory. Uh, what was it <laughs> like coming, going into CMA Fest this year? Uh, which for anybody listening that doesn't know CMA Fest is one of the, uh, I, I say this uh, heartfelt and, and sincerely, it's one of the coolest things in any genre of music. Imagine all yeah. of the biggest stars coming together in a three block radius to do fan club parties, meet and greets play for fans, do free shows. I mean, it's the equivalent mm-hmm. of putting every major star in your genre in one place for a weekend. It brings out all the country fans from all over the world. Coming off of The Voice, what was your experience with CMA Fest like? Oh, yeah. And so just like you said, it is really such a cool thing. Um, I I loved it. To be completely honest with you, that was actually my first 
real experience um, of CMA. And um, I, I loved it. I was able to do, actually, it was, it was a lot more business when I was out there, actually a lot more meetings than I thought it was going to be with, with people. Um, and I, I really can't get into full detail about what they were about, but I did get to do some um, shows out there, and I got to shake a lot of great hands and just meet a lot of awesome people. Networking is always, always great around that time. And plus, it's just fun. Like, I mean, I think, like, I always try to keep this this balance of where I'm obviously, like, networking, and, and I keep, like, a business mindset and a lot of things to, that I want to grow and stuff. But at the same time, um, like I said, I wish I to remember why I started this. And I started this because I love country music and I, I love music in general. I'm just a fan of music in general. So I, I never want to lose that, you know, it's, that's like the momentum that started me in the first place. So um, I was also out there enjoying it as well. So yeah, it was awesome. I love it. I suggest obviously anybody, especially if you're a fan of country music to get out there at some point. So it's a, it's fantastic. Jess, Jess Lee, I'm going to get that right now. Uh, it's fantastic. <laughs> I'm really, I, I, I couldn't, I can't say enough things about your success and, and representing country music well on the voice, which, uh, you did uh, a great job of. I will, I will leave you with, we're, this is sort of like a callback here to, we had Rascal Flats earlier on the episode. I toured with those guys awesome. for a long time and Gary gave me advice that I'm going to pass forward to you mostly to give him credit. It's the smartest thing he ever told us when we first started. He said if he could turn back time, the, the one thing he regretted in his career is that he didn't stop and enjoy the process well enough. And we rolled our eyes at that because it seems so cliche. But I look back now at the journey that, that the band had while I was a part of it, and I wonder if we could have done a better job too. So it's really cool that you're just enjoying this process. Don't don't lose that. It's a, it's a really cool I love magical that. ride. Oh, gosh. Yeah, for sure. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. So, I, I couldn't agree more. Follow her on Twitter at Jess Lee Country. Uh, check out the website, JessLeeMusic.com. You have new music coming out. When? I do. Thank you for asking. So, yeah, get those. It's, it's on for pre-order. If you're excited and you think you want it, um, the samples are up on iTunes and you can pre-order it and help me chart again. <laughs> well, and we'll, we'll tweet it out from all the accounts associated with uh, the ESPN Music uh, podcast and, and all the work we're doing oh, here. Justine, I appreciate your time. Congratulations. And next time you're up in New England, I'm sitting in on fiddle, whether you want me to or not. I am down. So down. Thank you so much. All right, all right, all right. They finally indulged me. A lot of country music. I'll admit it. There's going to be some of this, though, so you just got to handle it. You just got to go with us. That's why you want to subscribe and tell your friends to subscribe in the, uh, in the Apple, uh, in the Listen Now pod, uh, whatever, tab in the, in the pod, whatever that is, the app thingy. Yeah, Kyrie is shaking his head. You guys know where to subscribe to these things. Uh, but tell your friends about it. I know we've gone country heavy. I promise we'll make that up to you by getting back out uh, to the rest of music. We've got some cool guests coming down the pipeline. Over the course of the next couple of months, we're going to give you our thoughts over the summer on some of the biggest things going on in music. But we've also got some big guests that are going to stop by over the process and talk about everything from pop to rock to rap to country and everything in between. That's what we do on Ellen Fitz Talking Music. I know you missed Elle. I know Kyrie missed Elle. I know I missed Elle. But uh, I, I hope you enjoyed a little bit of a, a time, a trek through. Hope you wore your cowboy boots and had a little fun getting through Nashville and what CMA Fest was. Remember, follow us on Twitter, at L Duncan ESPN, at Jason Fitz. Now, a bunch of you guys have reached out to us and you want to be heard. We want to hear you. We want to help. Like, part of what we want to do is is sort of grow this thing by getting you to new music, by introducing you to stuff that we love that's coming out right now, by telling you what we hate. You know we're going to be honest, but we're willing to listen to anything. So are you ready for this? 
We got a Gmail. Kyrie, how official is that? Like, I feel like that's official, right? Official tissue. I feel like that. Wow. Yeah, I'm not cool enough to say that. Here, it's it's super easy. L-E-L-L-E and Fitz. F-I-T-Z. Ellen Fitz talking. No G because we're cool. Music. Ellen Fitz talking music at gmail.com. That's right. Ellen Fitz talking music at gmail.com. You send us a track you love. You send us a new artist you think we should hear about. You want your stuff pitched to a label? I'm not sure how we'll do it, but I don't care. Send it to us. We want to be the go-between from the world to the world of music, and you can do that. Ellen Fitz talking music at gmail.com. Get to us. Be a part of this process. Be a part of this show. Be a part of what we're building, and uh, we'll let you know what people uh, what people turn out. Just be ready, though, because if there's anything I can tell you about L. Duncan, L. Duncan is honest. All right? Girl does not hold back. Since she's not here, I can say that, right? Since she does not hold back. If she doesn't like it, she's going to tell you you suck. So just be ready for, for the love or the hate and everything in between. Ellen Fitz talking music at gmail.com. Get us your thoughts. Get us your tracks. Get us what you love right now, and we'll start introducing it to the world. Kyrie, as always, spectacular job, my friend. Thank you guys for hanging out. Thanks for listening. Do it again next time.